number of weeks we've been teaching on the topic, why Pentecost? Trying to look in the scriptures and answer that question. Why are we Pentecostal? Why are we uh, kind of wild, you know, some people would call us? Why, why do we do these things? Why are these things important? Looking into the word to try to get an answer and find some some information about this. And so we've been doing this a long time. I move rather slowly, as you've already figured out, I guess, most of you. Uh, but we want to uncover everything that needs to be uncovered. We want to look at everything that needs to be seen. We want to hear from the Lord in the way that he wants us to understand. And it's been a long time since I've taken this much time with this subject. And it's certainly been a long time since we've taken this much time on Sunday morning to talk about gifts of the Spirit. In the move of the Spirit. It's been just quite a while, and so we're taking our time. I don't know when we'll do it again. So uh, I hope that you're listening and you're learning and you're growing and you're being blessed. Amen. So let's pray before we get into the Scripture. And by the way, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 12 when you do open your Bible this morning, and we'll pray together now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for the anointing yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of the Holy Spirit manifestation here today. I thank you that there is no strategy or operation of the devil that is greater than your power. And we understand from your word, Father, that Satan is under our feet. And so right now we just remind him of his place. Satan has no place in us. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. And even the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead gives life to and quickens our mortal bodies even now. So we thank you, Lord, for deliverance, healing, blessing upon every person here today. Whatever they need, we believe their needs are met. In Jesus' name, we ask for utterance in the Holy Ghost. We're dependent upon you, Father. This is such a large and vast subject in your word. So many things to learn, so many things to know. I just pray that in our time together this morning, that you would help us to hear what we need to hear. And to hear it not only with our natural ears as sound, but to hear with our spirit what the Holy Ghost is saying to the church this morning. And we ask in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. 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 Pentecost is a reminder that our natural world is not all there is. It's a reminder that there is a spiritual dimension that actually produced everything you see, everything you can touch, everything your senses can perceive in this natural world came from the spiritual dimension. Man inherently understands that there's something more to life and more to our existence than just what we can see or sense with the senses. But of course, the devil has greatly muddied the waters to try to convince people that it's not really God or the Bible's not really true. Or some people try to believe that it all just happened. You know, in some ways, in a twisted way, you might say, it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian. Because, you know, in the world of uh, statistics, in the world of probabilities, and, of course, there's a whole um, science, if you will, or a whole discipline in that area. But it's been said, and it's true, that the possibilities or the chances of an explosion in a junkyard producing a fully assembled Mercedes-Benz <laughs> is greater than to think that this whole world could have just happened or come into existence. Most people, if they're honest, they will, they will say there's got to be more to it than just what we see. Well, as believers, we know what it is. Better said, we know who it is. There is a God. Amen. I'm so thankful that through the Lord Jesus Christ, I have gotten to know him. And he is my father. You're talking about celebrating Father's Day. We all have the greatest father there is. Earthly dads are not perfect, and I certainly am not perfect as a dad myself. But our heavenly father is total perfection. And there's nothing that he will not do for you 
if you will believe him and cooperate with him and you will just come to him on the basis of his word. He stands ready to make his word good in your life. Amen. So when we come to a Pentecostal church, a Pentecostal form of worship, you might say, we come to Pentecostal beliefs, we are reminded or it's reinforced to us that this natural world is not all there is, that there is a spiritual dimension. And actually what I want you to understand this morning, if you don't already know this, I want to say it to you. And if you do know it, I'll say it to you again. And that's this. We are spirit beings having natural experiences. We're not natural beings that have a, has occasional spirit experiences. We're a spirit being having natural experiences, not natural beings just having occasional spiritual experiences. The spiritual dimension is our home place. It's our safe place. We are only here in this world on a temporary basis. You know, sometimes we joke, but it's true. You know, unless Jesus comes back, none of us will get out of here alive. We're just here temporarily, and the, at the longest your life would be, it's still short, very short in comparison to eternity. Hebrews eleven thirteen, First 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, makes it clear that we're just pilgrims passing through. And when we live the way that we were recreated to live, now, you understand how I say that because we were born again, we were recreated. And when we live the way we were recreated to live, then our lives are just naturally supernatural. Amen. Just naturally supernatural. We should not be surprised when the supernatural takes place. We shouldn't be shocked when a prayer is answered or when a miracle happens or when somebody gets healed or there's just a divine turnaround in a situation, that should be the norm for us. We should be expecting that. We should be cooperating with the Holy Ghost so that that will continue to happen in our lives as long as we're here. And so that's one of the reasons that we're studying about the gifts and ministries and the operations, the anointing of the Holy Spirit in connection with the ministry of the gospel. Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The power of the acts, the actions, the events, maybe is a better word. The power of the events the gospel describes is in the message of the gospel itself. And that's why Paul says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's what he preached in Acts chapter 14 in a place called Lystra. And there they preached the gospel. And there was a man at Lystra who was impotent in his feet, a crippled man who had never walked from his mother's womb. The same heard Paul speak. Speak what, Paul? Well, the prior chapter says they preached the gospel there. So he heard the gospel the very first time Paul perceived that man had faith to be healed. He saw his faith, spiritually perceived it, realized it, and said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he stood up and he began to leap and walk. He'd never leaped. He'd never walked in all of his life. He was a grown man, not a kid. And so in immediate, uh, just, just, in, just in a matter really quicker than you could even blink your eye, his leg muscles became firm and as they should be in normal size. And the coordination necessary to be able to walk, the balance and all the rest that goes with it, came into him just at an instant. And this man was healed instantly. Why? Because he heard the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. We need to hear the gospel again and again and again and again. We don't need to just hear about it, but we need to hear it. That God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation to wit, to know that, Christ, that, that we should be reconciled to God. We need to be preaching to men everywhere. Be reconciled to God. We are his ambassadors, as we've already said before in a previous lesson. So spiritual gifts... Spiritual gifts, that's one of the great avenues that God uses to intervene into this natural world. They aren't toys. 
They aren't trophies. They aren't badges of spirituality necessarily. But spiritual gifts are tools. Everybody say tools. The gifts of the Spirit are your tools and mine. They're the tools of the church to use in fulfilling God's will and God's commission on the earth. The great commission to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The scriptures go on to say that they went forth everywhere preaching the word. And the Lord went with them, working with them, confirming the word with signs, following Praise God, the gifts of the Spirit were given to the church as supernatural tools, and they've never been taken back. They've never been taken back. They function as the Spirit wills, but they do require our yielding and our cooperation and obedience. Those three words are very important words if you want to be used in the things of God. If you want to be used by the Holy Ghost. If you want to see the supernatural operate in your life, those three words are key words. You've got to, you've got to yield, yield, give way, surrender your will, your wants, your needs, your desires, if you, if you will, any of those things. Yield it all to God, trusting He will take care of you and He will use you to, to help bless others. You've got to yield, and you've also got to cooperate Cooperate, co-operate, co, two people equally uh, connected, you might say. Well, with the Holy Ghost, we know that it's not really equal. He's, he's got the lion's share of everything, but he does use you and me. Lillian B. Yeomans, a great preacher from long ago, a medical doctor who became uh, so afflicted near death, and she was uh, healed supernaturally by the power of God. He, she surrendered her life for the rest of her life to teach healing divine healing, and was a powerful minister. Wrote some books, really great material, if you ever get a hold of that. I guess you can go to Amazon or somewhere and find it. There's about three or four of her great books that you can read. Anyway, she was one of the great pioneers of Pentecost in yesteryear. And she said something to this effect, and it's so good. She said, God has uh, tied himself to man in the fulfillment of divine destiny in the earth. Now, I know I'm not quoting it word for word, but that's the thought. In other words, God's not going to do what God does without you and me. So that's why it's important that we cooperate with Him. Because there are things that will not happen. They won't happen in your family. They won't happen in your body. They won't happen in your mind. They won't happen in your life. They won't happen in your business. They won't happen in your finances. They won't happen in your kids. They won't happen in your grandkids until you cooperate with God. So we've got to yield, we've got to cooperate, and then number three, you've got to just obey. Obedience is God's way of keeping us in our place. He doesn't use sickness to keep you in your place. He doesn't use defeat to keep you in your place. He doesn't uh, use humiliation and embarrassment and shame to keep you in your place. He doesn't heap condemnation upon you to keep you, quote, in your place. No, all God says is you just obey me. And I have learned from my experience, as many of you have also, that if you will obey God, it will surely keep you in your place. Because sometimes you will find yourself doing things you never thought you would do. And sometimes you'll find yourself doing things that at least in the beginning you might not think you want to do. But I can tell you today from my experience, as many more could stand and testify to the same thing here today, that I have never obeyed God one time and regretted it. And I've never disobeyed God one time and been glad that I did. So obedience is a key. It is more powerful before God than all of the sacrificial giving you could ever do. Than all of the price, as we might say, that you might think you're paying. Nothing is more important than obedience. And God is such a good God and such a wonderful Father. Obedience doesn't mean that you're not going to be happy. You know, I think some people are just so afraid of the will of God. They think he's going to make them marry somebody that's ugly or that he's going to make them stay poor all their life or he's going to make them, you know, eat food they don't like from now on. I don't know what they think. But uh, the truth is Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly at heart. My yoke is easy, he said, and my burden is light. 
So if it's always, you know, hard to do whatever you do, then probably you're not doing the right thing. If you absolutely hate what you have to do, then you're not either, either you're out of sorts with God or you're not in the will of God. Because the will of God is something that is a pleasure to do. Yes, there's some work involved. There is that yielding I talked about a while ago. There is that obedience that's there. But it's in such an atmosphere of joy when you're in the will of God. His yoke truly is easy, and His burden is light. Hallelujah. So don't ever feel guilty for being blessed. Don't ever feel guilty because you don't have to work your fingers to the bone. Because, you know, there was even an old old song years ago wasn't even a christian song but it had a lot of truth in it he said if you work your fingers to the bone what do you get bony fingers you know there's just some of you remember that song maybe um i'm not going to sing it but anyhow uh you don't have to do that and if you're if you've got bony fingers and, and 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 your life is miserable then something's not right I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying you're in sin. There's just something that's missing, and you need to get before God until you find out what it is. And if you're worn out, and you're living in constant fear and anxiety and dread about the future, I would encourage you, take a vacation, seek the Lord until you figure out where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do, and then go wherever that is and be there and do that and enjoy abundant living. Amen? I think that should have had more amens than that. But anyway, you take what you get. These gifts function as the Spirit wills, but they require our yielding, our cooperation, and our obedience in order that they would manifest and work. Because the fact is the gifts of the Spirit work through us, not apart from us. And that's what we're learning. So last week we looked in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and let's go back there again. Now there are three passages we're going to look at, and I don't know when we'll ever get to all of them. It might be, it might be the fall before we get there. I don't know. I'm just going to take my time and do what the Lord wants me to do. Uh, we have some guest ministers along the way through the summer, and I, so I'm really not trying to hurry. I hope you're not tired of these truths because these are very important. And if, before I get into it, I need to say something else. One reason they're so important right now, everybody say right now, is because God is up to something big right now. And He is moving in the body of Christ wherever He can find people to yield. We have determined in this church to be a group of yielders. And so therefore, God is up to something here. People are being touched. People are being blessed People are being changed. We just had a testimony just came uh, online from somebody who got to watch the Wednesday service the next day and how that when they watched that service, just like a light bulb came on and they received a healing. And as of yesterday, all those symptoms were gone. They were healed. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. So it's really important, very vital that we uh, be in the will of God. So the move of God, the gifts of the Spirit, we need to get used to them because they are a part of our lives from this time forevermore. Praise the Lord. So anyway, there's three listings. First one is 1 Corinthians 12. That's where we are. And then the next listing is Ephesians 4, which is a listing of ministry gifts of the Spirit. And then Romans chapter 12, which is another listing of giftings from the Holy Spirit. So there are three different areas in the New Testament that talk about these. And let me reiterate something that I've tried to say in various ways for the you know, last few weeks, but still true. There are no scriptures in the New Testament that say that they've ever been taken away. I know there are entire groups of people in the body of Christ that just don't want to hear about gifts of the Spirit other than in what they would consider a historical perspective. Because they think almost all of them have passed away. They don't think that God does miracles today, really. They think He could. They think sometimes He does. But, you know, it's a funny thing. People that say that, they never get any. Have you ever noticed that? People that have no respect for uh, the gifts of the Spirit, 
they don't have the operation of those gifts in their lives. And I don't know about you, but I've done my share of trying to have church on my own. I grew up in a non-Pentecostal church. Wonderful people, saved people. But we did without so much because we didn't know. And one of our problems was we didn't want to know. If Pentecostals came to our church, if they got the least bit rowdy, we were not happy with them. Amen. <laughs> but I do remember, i got to tell this little story, I do remember uh, growing up in that non-Pentecostal church where we didn't want anybody to get too far out there. But I remember that there would come and visit in meetings, like if we had a special meeting, a revival or something, there would come and visit a dear old brother, and uh, he, he was a slim, older gentleman, and I remember he was bald-headed. You know, there's something special about bald people. And anyway, he... <laughs> anyway, amen, I'm getting some help in here, praise the Lord. And I don't remember working on it. All right, that's a good one, that's a good one. Uh, but I remember uh, his, I don't know what his full name was. Everybody called him Hints. I don't know if he was Henson or, you know, Hezekiah or what it was. But anyway, and uh, when he came, they always, whoever was, you know, up front taking charge of the service, they would, they would always make sure they got him to testify because he had such joy and he had such exuberance and and he wasn't out of order. He didn't do anything crazy or stupid. Uh, but he just brought a supply of the Holy Ghost to a service. And we didn't even know what that term was. I mean, we didn't even use that term. But you know what? He was Pentecostal. I don't know why we didn't catch on that, that we didn't have to wait once in a blue moon when he showed up to get that. We could have had it every week. But you see, we just didn't know and so that's why Paul, uh, well, no, that's not, not about Brother Hintz. Uh, Paul didn't know Brother Hintz. Maybe he's met him by now. But anyway, uh, but, but in this same vein, he says these words in Romans 12, 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, that's italicized, the word gifts, so it's spiritual things or things of the Spirit. Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. What you don't know can, can cause you to do without. What we are ignorant of can really hurt us. Things we ignore or things we just have, have never known about, they can really give us, uh, not knowing those things can cause us problems. And then we, we read these verses, but we'll reread them again today. Verse 2, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Notice what he calls idols. Dumb, they don't speak, they don't talk, and they don't know anything either. So I think either way you want to use that word, it works. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And I spoke about this just briefly last time. I've got one more thing I want to say about this. There are people who would say, well, you know, I heard somebody get up, and they spoke in some kind of language, and somebody was there. They understood what it was, and they were saying Jesus is accursed. Do you know that that is a lie that has circulated for generations against the, the, the operation of diverse kinds of tongues with interpretation? You've never found anybody yet. Well, we're in London. You've never found any. <laughs> Those who are watching probably don't know what in the world we're laughing about, but anyway. But, uh, you know, uh, that lie, the devil will do anything to try to convince people to stay away from the move of the Spirit. You can't, you can't say Jesus is accursed by the Holy Ghost. That's not going to be possible. And you can't say Jesus is Lord, not sincerely, except by the Holy Spirit. And then verse 4, there are diversities of gifts. Everybody say gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries. Everybody say ministries, but the same Lord. And there are difference, I'm sorry, there are diversities of activities. Everybody say activities. But it is the same God who works all in all. So church should have some activity. Amen. 
It shouldn't be just a bunch of old people sitting around, half asleep, half dead, hoping this thing gets over so I can beat somebody else from another church to the restaurant today to leave a sorry tip. I just had to throw that in. I got a grandson that is, uh, that is in college, and he waits tables, and he waited uh, tables at a restaurant in Lynchburg before he moved to Richmond to go to school there, and, uh, and I won't say which restaurant it was, but he hated Sundays. He hated Sundays, worst of all. He said, because church people don't tip well, he said, and they are hard to deal with. So before you ask for extra this, extra that, or don't do this, or don't do that, and then leave some sorry tip, remember, somebody's grandson needs the money. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Where in the world was I? How did I get to there? Amen. So, there are... I did forget where it was. I'd completely gone there. Um, But the Holy Spirit gives these gifts, ministries, and activities. That's where we were, activities. Not a dead church, activities. That was kind of a convoluted way to get around to the the tip thing. Anyway, then he goes on in verse 7 and says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So one of the reasons that I want to be in a place where the gifts of the Spirit operate, and wasn't it great today, that word of prophecy, that was a gift of the Spirit operated, that Brother Smith yielded to the Holy Spirit, and he, and he gave that out. The gift of prophecy speaks unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. And there was something in there about the future, things that God has planned. And that begins to move and over into the, to the air of revelation gifts. It's just, it's just a wonderful thing. Now, we didn't plan that before church. I didn't call him last night. I didn't send him a text this morning and say, you know, at such and such time, I want you to get really loud because you have a great voice. And I want you to say those words. That's not how this works. But I will tell you this. While I was up here on the platform, I started getting that stirring. I was not surprised. And every believer here can move into the things of the Spirit until you can begin to know the way of the Spirit. It might not always be your turn to operate in a certain area, but you'll know where we're going. You can prepare yourself. And you can get ready and you, get, you can get excited about the things of the Spirit. And the, one of the reasons that's important to us as well is because when you begin to, the more you learn about picking up on the move of the Spirit when we're together is going to mean the easier it's going to be for you to pick up on the way of the Spirit and the flow of the Spirit when you're not here. When you're trying to decide which car to go by or you're trying to decide what contractor to use for this next project, or you're trying to determine where to put some money that you need to invest, or whatever it might be. It could be any number of things. When you're trying to decide who to marry. I mean, my goodness gracious, isn't that one of the most important things in the world? You don't marry people just because they're hot. You don't marry people just because they got money. You married people because the Lord wants you together. The Lord put you together. Hallelujah. Boy, I could meddle there a lot. And the time will come, we will. Praise the Lord. So anyway, there are these various gifts, ministries, activities, and all of them involved with the manifestations of the Spirit given to each one. So that means every person can be used in the things of the Spirit. And I would say every person should be. Now, not everybody is going to have a public ministry in the sense that maybe uh, a, a pulpit minister would have, but the gifts of the Spirit are not limited to these four walls. And the gifts of the Spirit are not limited to Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings. Sometimes the greatest manifestations of the Spirit you can have will be the manifestations that will come to you when you're raising your children. And the Holy Ghost tells you something's going on and you need to pray. And you need to pray until it's fixed. 
I remember, you know, uh, Glenna was that way when our kids were home. She always knew stuff. She knew stuff when I didn't. I had my mind on church and stuff, and, and you know, there were, I'm thinking of one particular Saturday night. She was up and ready. I never woke up. She never awakened me, but the Holy Ghost told her. So we need these manifestations. Amen. Hallelujah. And so he tells us what they are. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom. Notice a word. It's not the gift of wisdom. The word of wisdom. So this is a, a, a word is a fragmentary piece of a sentence. I mean, that's one way to define it. And so the word of wisdom will be a bit or a piece, a fragment of God's wisdom. God knows everything. But he shares what we need to know as we need to know it. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge. So it's not the gift of knowledge. This is not about your IQ. This is not about where you went to school. This is a word of knowledge. And we will explain the difference between the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. And it says through the same Spirit. Verse 9, to another, faith. And you might have a translation, a more modern translation, that would uh, expound upon that a little bit. It is a wonder-working faith. It is, a, it is an, an aspect of faith that goes beyond normal saving faith. It is beyond the faith that comes just by hearing the Word of God and believing the Word of God. This is a faith beyond... Let me say it this way. It's a faith that you can only exercise if it's gifted to you. And, and that's not talking about divine healing because divine healing is provided in the Word. You can get faith for healing from your Bible. You can get faith for prosperity from your Bible. You can get faith for being led by the Spirit from your Bible. You can, you can, you know, there's lots of things faith provides. But let me give you the uh, example that first comes to my mind is Daniel laying down and sleeping in a den of lions. He had no verse to go to that said, Thou shalt be kept in the lion's den when Nebuchadnezzar throws you in there. That's not, that was, there was no verse for that. But God gave him a special faith. The king tossed and turned all night. Daniel slept. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And the king finally, the early the next morning, went over and he yelled out, Oh, Daniel. And he said, Oh, king, live forever. Because the king said, is your God that you serve continually able to save you? Well, of course he did. And uh, I know the lions were hungry. I know that they were normal lions. Because when the people that had plotted against him to get him thrown into the lion's den, when they were thrown in after Daniel was taken out, the lions ate all of them. So it's amazing. And, of course, that, that gift operates in other ways, and we'll get to that too. And he goes on and says to another, gifts, plural, of healings, plural, that's, and that's accurate, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. So in the whole area of divine healing, there is a great diversity. And certain ministers will have more success in one area than another. We were teaching in our minister's class on Thursday night, and we began to use a, a textbook uh, on healing. Uh, we call it a textbook. It's one of the best I've ever seen by F.F. F. Bosworth. And um, Brother Bosworth had great success in the healing ministry. And uh, we were talking about Brother Bosworth had great success in getting people who were deaf healed, getting their ears opened. But then there are other ministers who've had greater success with actually getting blinded eyes open. And others who've had greater success with the... Uh, the cursing of and then the person receiving healing from tumors and abnormal growths in various parts of the body. There are other areas of, of healing. So there are gifts of healings. And so that's why we, we want to take advantage of everything God is doing. Amen. You might say, well, why does God do it that way? You'll have to ask him. I don't have all the answers. I'm just telling you what I know. And then verse 10, to another, the working of miracles. Notice the working of miracles. Remember Moses, when he parted the Red Sea, what did he do? He stretched out his staff. When water came from the rock, he struck the rock with his staff. Remember Elijah, 
when the, the Jordan was parted, he took his mantle, his outer cloak, and he stretched it out over the water, and the waters parted. Working of miracles. There's something that is done. It shows forth a sign. It reveals uh, the hand of God at work. The working of miracles. And there are other ways that it can manifest. And then he says prophecy. Prophecy here means to speak to men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. The simple gift of prophecy doesn't have foretelling, but it can be the door that opens up for foretelling for other revelation gifts. And then he goes on to say discerning of spirits. To discern is to see. Everybody who has truly ever seen an angel, this gift was operating. Anyone who's ever seen the resurrected Christ, this gift was operating. Anyone who's ever seen a demon spirit, this gift was operating. It is discerning of spirits. Not just discerning of devils, not just discerning of evil spirits, not just discerning of angels, but it's discerning of spirits. Remember what I said in the beginning? Can you remember that far back now? When I said that we are spirit beings having natural experiences. So when we read about these things, we should not be shocked or uh, in disbelief because this is the world we're in. The Bible says, The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. So that means in this place today, in this room, there are at least twice as many as we can see. You brought your angel with you. He, he came along with you. You know, people used to joke, well, you know, the angel, he's with you until you break the speed limit. <laughs> that can't be true because I'm still alive. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but uh, the angels are out there. Now, I'm not trying to be flaky. I've never seen an angel. I, I've never seen one, but I know they're there. I know they're there. And people have seen them. The Bible says people have even entertained them and didn't know they were doing it. So you know when... When you get opportunity to give somebody a bowl of beans, you better make sure they're hot and good. Make sure they've got some hog meat in them somewhere to make them good. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's not very cultured, but it makes for good beans. Amen. To another, different kinds of tongues, diversities of tongues, or the old King James says divers, D-I-B-E-R-S. That's just short for diverse or many different kinds of tongues. This particular gift is not just speaking in tongues as a prayer and praise language that we received when we were filled with the Spirit, but this is a diversity of kinds of tongues, different kinds of tongues that would be used publicly and that would require to, to remain in order interpretation. And then that's the, the next gift, interpretation of tongues. Notice it's not translation of tongues. It's not translation, you know, that, that, so, so if you're trying to think, well, if someone gives an utterance in tongues and then there's an interpretation, the interpretation is going to be exactly the same length and the same amount of syllables or words. That's not what this is saying. It's interpretation of tongues. And notice the next verse, verse 11. It says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, there's some things in verse 11 we need to understand. Number one, it's the Holy Spirit that works through people. If it's genuine, if it really is a gift of the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that gives these gifts in order to be used. But don't forget, they are working through people. He distributes to each individual person as he wills. And so that means he is using what he has to work with. The gift is perfect, but I'm not. The gift of the Spirit is the gift of the Spirit, but it's flowing through a vessel that doesn't know everything, and, 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 and the Lord is using what He's got. So that's why, particularly in utterance gifts, people that, 
that are used in utterance gifts, they sound like them. And, uh, and, and they don't all of a sudden turn into somebody else. It's them. And that's a real great key for those who are desiring to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and you want to be filled with the Spirit. If you're waiting on God to talk in tongues through you while you're standing off sideways somewhere watching, that's never going to happen. It's not your brother who speaks in tongues. It's not your mother who speaks in tongues. It's not your husband who speaks in tongues. It's you. And they began to speak. And you'll just have to speak it out. And for some, that's the great hurdle. That's a big hurdle. It's one of the biggest hurdles they have in this whole experience of seeking God is that they would just turn loose, throw caution to the wind, and begin to give voice to those things that are coming up on the inside. It doesn't make sense to the mind. It doesn't make sense to maybe even people that you might know. But, but that's the way the flow starts. Because tongues don't come from our head. You know, I've shared this before, but I, I, I dropped a class one time in high school, and so they had to find somewhere to put me uh, for a semester. And so they put me in a German class. And so I can count to ten in German. That's about it. Just a few words, a few phrases. I really didn't learn German. And so uh, when it comes to speaking in tongues, it's not like a language you learn. It comes from your spirit. Amen. You must say, well, I wish you could explain that better. I wish I could too. <laughs> there is an element of faith and obedience and yielding and cooperation in these areas. And so the Spirit of God distributes to each one individually. Notice as He wills. I've got He wills underlined in my Bible because that's one of the great keys. We cannot make these things happen. We have to yield. We can obey. And they will happen as the Spirit wills. But that's the great key. It's not as I will. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm so sorry. I should have done that in that way. Sorry. But it's as the Spirit wills. Now, I've been in meetings and things have happened, and if it were left up to me, I'd like to do that just again and again and again and again. But it's not up to me. I'm not the head of the church. I'm not the Holy Ghost. And so I'm not able to look out over a congregation and see what everybody needs. And a sure way to get in trouble is to think you know what people need and then try to address that. That's a way to really mess up as a pastor. You've got to rely on the Holy Ghost. You've got to minister as He directs you and let the Holy Spirit deal with hearts. Now in this listing of gifts we just looked at, what we see is there are three gifts that say something. The gift of diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. There are three gifts that show us something. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And there are three gifts that do something. The working of miracles, gifts of healings, and the gift of special faith or wonder-working faith. Now what we want to do is just briefly touch on each one and don't get nervous. Like I said last week, there's a clock on the wall back there. I can see it. Uh, I'm not going to walk you through this till 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but I want to give you some things to think about, and then you can study more on your own. Let's first look at the three gifts that say something. These are the most prevalent. These are the most predominant in the New Testament era. The uh, utterance gifts come to the fore, beginning on the day of Pentecost. And uh, it's no accident, it's no coincidence. As a matter of fact, the speaking in tongues is exclusive of this dispensation. And it's part of what the Holy Spirit does today, beginning when people are first baptized or immersed into the Holy Spirit by the Lord Jesus Christ, subsequent to them being born again, where in that experience they are immersed into Jesus by the Holy Spirit. 
Now we have a reciprocal work when Jesus baptizes us into the Holy Ghost. And as we have belabored and talked about a number of times, and it's all on record, you can all, you go back, it's free of charge, you can go on the website, you can go on the podcast, whatever, you can find it and you can hear us teaching about it, and it would do you good if you didn't hear it to hear it. But in the New Testament, people that were filled with the Spirit spoke in tongues. Not all of those people were used publicly. Not all of those utterances in tongues did they understand. Not all of them had to be interpreted because when it comes to prayer and praise, we are addressing God. And I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but God doesn't need an interpreter. So when we worship the Lord in tongues, when we pray in tongues... We're not addressing the congregation. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the Father. You're talking to the Father, not to me. So therefore, he needs no interpreter. It's okay. Now, obviously, it wouldn't be wise if that's all we did. We met at 10 o'clock. We started praying in tongues and worshiping in tongues. And we never stopped until noon. And then we just said, all right, you're dismissed. Go home. That wouldn't, that wouldn't probably, uh, that wouldn't do the whole group a- as a group much help, but it would edify each of us individually. You know, Paul said even in, in 1 Corinthians 14 that you can bless your food. You can, you can, uh, you can bless the food in tongues, and, and it's good, but if somebody there doesn't understand what you're doing, then it can, you know, it can be a problem. So speaking in tongues is wonderful. Speaking in tongues is good. We've talked about the benefits of it, what it's about, why you would want to do it. And I'm convinced that probably all of us need to do it more. I do. However, in this setting, because you're going to find uh, on in this same chapter, he is predominantly talking about these gifts being used to minister to the body of Christ. Now let's go over to the 27th verse. The 27th verse, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church. First, this is the top of the list. This would be the priority, the, the, uh, the highest, you might say, office that God would call, highest ministry office, apostles. And uh, we'll talk about why that is when we get to that one. Second, or secondarily, I think the O King James uses that phrase that way, secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings. These two areas sum up, if you will, the evangelist's office. The only person in the New Testament that is called an evangelist particularly is Philip. He began his ministry as a deacon. And then by the 8th chapter of the book of Acts, we find him as an evangelist in Samaria, and healings and miracles were taking place. So we have the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, and then you'll see the word helps, administrations, that would encompass the whole area of the pastoral ministry. And of course, pastors do teach. And then notice he goes on to say, varieties of tongues. Varieties of tongues. Now remember, what? let me ask you this question. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but I really do want you to think this through with me. I want you to get this straight in your thinking, and I want us to be on the same page here. This list in verse 28 is a list of what? Ministries? Would you agree with that? So then there is a ministry called varieties of or diversities, or diverse kinds of tongues. So this is talking about a ministry, a ministry that would be public, a ministry that would be used in a public service. This is not talking about somebody praying in tongues. This is not talking about even a congregation worshiping in the Spirit, singing in tongues. This is talking about somebody that would stop a service, as we'd say. And address the congregation in other tongues with an accompanying interpretation. So you got that? Are we in agreement? Now look at these, um, these um, questions that he asks here. Are all apostles? The answer is no. 
Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all or is everybody in the church world worker of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healings? The answer is no. And that's not talking about can all be healed because all can be healed. Jesus paid for the healing for all of us. But do, does everybody have a healing ministry? No. Remember, that's, the, that's what we're talking about, ministry. And then he says, do all speak with tongues? The answer is no. Do all interpret? No. Because if we are going to be honest, intellectually honest about the topic we're talking about and the context of the verse, he's asking the question, does everybody have a public ministry of speaking in diverse kinds of tongues? No. Does everybody publicly interpret those diverse kinds of tongues in a public service? No. But you see, many people have pulled this phrase out of context. Verse 30, do all speak with tongues? And they say, well, the obvious answer is no. So that means not everybody should speak in tongues or not everybody's going to speak in tongues. He's not talking about when people are filled with the Holy Ghost, will they speak in tongues or not? He's talking about will people minister publicly with diverse kinds of tongues? That's what he's talking about. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost when I was about 15 years of age in a Pentecostal service that an evangelist at the time by the name of Steve Brock was preaching in the local church where my grandparents went to church. Steve Brock later on became a very well-known soloist, has a great tenor voice, singing uh, solo. I don't know if he still does or not with Benny Hinn for years. But he was a Church of God evangelist. And uh, he... uh, came through preaching revivals in, uh, in West Virginia. And he came to all the different districts of that denomination, to that district overseer's church, which usually was always the largest church. And um, that's where he came. And then people came from all around. And I was filled with the Holy Ghost in, in one of those meetings. And that was nearly 50 years ago. And... Um, my life has never been the same. I began to speak with tongues that night. But it was several years later, actually after I had accepted the call to minister, that the gift of diverse kinds of tongues with interpretation of tongues began to function in my life. And I studied about it. I realized that this was something the Lord was doing. And I wanted to, to, to be familiar with it. I wanted to know how it operated. I wanted to be in order. I didn't want to be out of order. I didn't want to do crazy stuff. I didn't want to do something that would hinder anybody. And so for many, many, many years, this gift has operated as the Spirit wills. Not every service, not every week, not every day, but it operates. Now, I can pray in the Spirit anytime I want, just like you can. I can worship in tongues anytime I want, just like you can. And I've learned how to do that orderly till I don't get up and interrupt a service. Uh, do something that creates more harm than good, if you will. But in the right kind of atmosphere where the Spirit of the Lord moves, and it's the proper and orderly thing to do, then it is a tremendous blessing. And these gifts, by the way, can be developed You'll get better, if, you can, if I can use that term, at what you do by doing it. And I started by my bedside in my bedroom by myself. That's where the first, and it was from God. That was the first interpretation ever given. And that was before I ever gave any publicly. Now, I'm not saying you have to do it that way. But my point is, um, these gifts are very important. They have their place. And then, of course, in verse 31, Paul says, But earnestly desire the best gifts. What is the best gift in any situation? Well, I would say one interpretation of that would be the gift most needed. The one most needed at the moment would be the best one. But I would also submit to you to think about that there are of these gifts, uh, of these, this three, these groups of three, there, are, there is one in each of these three that 
carries a greater degree of anointing and is uh, a greater aspect of the move of the Spirit than the others. They're all anointed, they're all supernatural, they're all gifts, but they're important. In the, in the area of utterance gifts, it would be the gift of prophecy. Because just like the, the, the demonstration that the Lord gave us today, there was no utterance in tongues that then was interpreted. It just straight went straight to a supernatural utterance in a known language. In the revelation gifts, it would be the gift of the word of wisdom, which is a revelation of the future that God knows better than we even know the past. In the area of power gifts, it would be the gift of special faith. Because there's no working involved for a miracle. It's just receiving. Almost, we might say, passively. Using Daniel again as that example. And so we are to earnestly desire. Now let me say something about that as well. We, we see this, um, this kind of similar statement in chapter 14, verse 1. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Here it says, earnestly desire the best gifts. I want you to think about this on two levels. Number one, the whole church should desire these things. All of us. Paul's talking to the church at Corinth. This letter would be read to them and they all would have heard it at the same time and every one of them would have understood that we all collectively need to desire, be open to and ready for the gifts of the Spirit. But I would also say, because the church has individual members that make up the body of Christ, each of us individually should desire the things of the Spirit. And that's why when you find churches that are not sure what they believe about this, or maybe they are sure they don't believe in it, these gifts don't manifest because there's no desire for them, no hunger for them. One of the reasons there's no hunger is because there's no teaching about them. You know, just teaching that something is passed away, that's not really teaching, that's a theory. And like I said last week, a theory is a supposition based upon ignorance of the subject under discussion. It's easy to have a theory. You have to go to the Bible to have some proof. Amen. And so when people don't hear, they don't have faith for, and they don't yield to the things of the Spirit. So that's one reason I'm teaching about this. Like I said, I don't know when we'll ever get back to this. I don't know when we'll ever take this much time on Sunday morning to talk about these. I mean, I'm not saying we never will, but there's so many things to teach on. But right now, this is the season we're in. But why? Because God's getting us ready for these gifts to manifest in a greater way. That's the key. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is preparing us for a greater, more supernatural future than we have ever seen in our past. Thank God for the working of miracles. Thank God for gifts of healings. Thank God for special faith. Thank God for the word of wisdom. Thank God for the word of knowledge. Thank God for discerning of spirits. Thank God for tongues. Thank God for interpretation of tongues. And thank God for prophecy. Tongues is a supernatural utterance in an unknown language, unknown to the speaker, certainly not unknown to God. Sometimes it's given as a sign, as 1 Corinthians 14 describes, uh, even to an unbeliever. And that's where sometimes people have heard in their own language, maybe their mother tongue, you know, they're, they're multilingual. And one of the other languages they know, they hear a message from God. That happens sometimes. That's happened many times, really. And people have heard in their own native tongue something from God. I remember hearing the story about a lady who went to a little Pentecostal church and... Um, the, um, she was very uneducated. She, she was basically illiterate. And she, uh, she did washing and ironing for people. That's how she made money. I mean, her life was, was pretty rough, and she had no education to speak of. Somehow or another, a Jewish man came into this Pentecostal church one Sunday evening, and he was there in the service. And this woman, who had never even finished school, gave an utterance in tongues, and there was no interpretation. What do we do in that case? Well, the Bible says when that happens, whoever gave that message just needs to stay quiet from that point on. But of course, being the Pentecostals we are, we always get nervous about that. You know, we get nervous about that. And so the pastor was a little bit upset, and so 
uh, he didn't know exactly what to do. And it, you know, there was this awkward pause. Nobody said anything. There was no interpretation. So they finally moved on with the service. But after the service was over, this visitor came up and he said, who is that woman? And uh, why did she speak to me? He said, what are you talking about? He said, I know Hebrew. She spoke Hebrew. And I don't remember the, all the details, but basically the Holy Spirit, through her tongue, read his mail. There was no need for an interpretation because it was a sign to him. Finally, the pastor had to get that woman up there and introduce her to him before he finally realized she don't know Hebrew. She doesn't even know proper English. So sometimes that happens, but most of the time, most of the time, when people speak in diverse kinds of tongues, there needs to be an interpretation. An interpretation, not a translation, an interpretation by the same Spirit. You say, why does God do that? Again, I'll just have to refer you to my answer a few minutes ago. Ask Him. But it's a powerful thing. It is a powerful thing. And the more it's developed and the more it's used and the more anointing there is, the more faith we operate in it, the, the more intricate it becomes, the more detailed it becomes, the more powerful it becomes. And, and we can all pray in the Spirit and we can all interpret. We might not all do it publicly, but it can, we can all do this in our lives. And it's a beautiful and marvelous thing. Amen. Tongues with interpretation and prophecy. Many of you already, you know, you've been around long enough to you know, you can just tell it's about to happen. You don't know if it's maybe going to be a prophecy or if it's going to be tongues and interpretation, but you just know. And over the years, the Lord has told us so many wonderful things and prepared us ahead of time. And it's going to get more detailed and more intricate. It's going to get more uh, finely tuned in its accuracy as we continue to yield to the Holy Spirit. Now, the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in a local congregation don't happen just because people pray for them, even though we do and we should. But it happens also because we know about them and we expect them. So every time we meet, we should be expecting a move of the Spirit. And these three gifts, the gifts of utterance as we call them, these three gifts are going to be the most predominant that we will see. They are the easiest to flow into. And they will, they will be the one that we will uh, probably be most familiar with. But, and this is important, and I'm getting ready to close with this so you guys can come on if you want to. This is very important. You don't see these other gifts manifesting to any real great extent, usually, without these utterance gifts involved. I mean, just think for a minute. Churches that want nothing to do with speaking in tongues, they don't believe in prophecy today, they don't believe in the interpretation of tongues, those churches, by and large, also don't have working of miracles, gifts of healings, special faith, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, or discerning of spirits. Speaking in tongues is the doorway into the deeper things of the Spirit. All tongues are the same in essence and in source, but they are different uses, different levels, and different levels of faith and anointing that causes those uses to be different. If I have confused you today, I surely am sorry because that's not been my intent. I'm trying to go really slow because... This is what a Pentecostal church is supposed to be about. Yeah, we preach Jesus. He's, he's the King of kings, Lord of lords. It's all about Jesus. But Jesus said, don't try to do anything until you've received the Holy Ghost. So it's not a pick and choose. You know, it's like, you know, you, you go to a dealer and you say, I want to buy a car, uh, and I'm talking about a gasoline car yeah, who would have thought you'd have to explain that today 
But you say, I'm going to buy a gasoline car, and I want a car, but I don't want a motor. Well, guess what? It's not going to work. I mean, even the electric ones have motors. They're electric motors. Amen? And so to say we want a full gospel, Pentecostal, supernatural, charismatic, divine healing, miracle, working, prayer, answering, full of joy, full of excitement, people getting saved, people getting filled, people getting healed, people getting blessed. We want all of that, but we want nothing to do with speaking in tongues or interpretation of tongues or prophecy. It won't work. It just won't work. So we're pressing on. And I know I'm moving slowly, and some of you probably would like to hear about something else. We'll get there. I mean, if you'll give us six months, and some of you are laughing about that, but I really do mean that. If you give us six months and you come every service you can get to, and you follow along in your Bible with us, and you'll be a doer of the Word when you learn something, you do it, I promise you your life will never be the same. It will never be the same. Amen? Hallelujah. Well... Play something. Father, we thank you. We bless you. Lord, we're so grateful for all your goodness and mercy and love and so thankful for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you, Lord, for the gifts of the Spirit. As we teach about these things, study these, and learn about them and experience them, we believe you, Lord, to take us into dimensions where we've never been before. Take us on to places where we've never been before. And manifest yourself to save, to heal, to deliver, and set every captive free in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. If you're here and you say, I don't know Jesus, or I'm backslidden, I've known him, but I'm not living right. I want to get right. I want to be right. Then... I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. And Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And make me a new creature. If you're a backslider, say, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Let me be renewed and refreshed and restored. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making me a new creature in Christ Jesus. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.